Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. I hope y'all are ready for the truth. Um, the truth from God's word. I mean, that's what we come for, right? The truth of God's word. And, and uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. If you have your scripture and want to open up to Colossians chapter 3. Um, you know, we've been in this uh, series on uh, one another's. And we've been talking about loving one another and befriending one another and, and, and you know, being there for one another. And today it's going to be about teaching one another. And so I would ask the question early on, um, are you teachable? Are you teachable? Because sometimes we, we aren't teachable. We're not open to it. And, and, and so we have to be open and, and to be teachable. And uh, when we think about that, you know, much of life... Uh, when we talk about life, uh, much of life is a question of maintaining balance. Maintaining balance and, and, you know, any athletic team knows that you need a balance between, you know, offense and defense. You need a, a balance between strength and quickness. Uh, maybe even in our personal finances, you know, we need to work to maintain a balance between income and expenses. Okay, and, and you think about um, uh, in teaching, we try to keep a proper balance between content and creativity, because if you, you know, if you, um, if you have an emphasis on content, uh, too much of an emphasis, then it kind of becomes boring, the subject does, and if you have too much uh, emphasis on creativity, then you might have a lot of fun, but uh, you might not learn a whole lot, and so... Um, you know, we, we all have to find the balance in, in life and, and uh, you know, even I would say between, um, you know, exercise and rest and, and, and diet. I mean, all of those things, we, we, we try to find a balance there. And uh, I want to say that there's also a, has to be a balance in our Christian life, you know, uh, a balance uh, between knowledge and, and application, and for the most part, we are educated beyond our level of obedience. We know more about what God's word says that we should do rather than what we're doing, okay? So we need to have that balance between uh, knowledge and application. You know, and on the subject uh, of, of teaching one another, um, and I want to say even discipleship, you have that key verse that, that we plug in a lot out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 2, which says, these things which you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so I ask the question, are we teachable? Because not only are we supposed to be able to receive teaching, but we're also to be able to give teaching to those around us. I mean, that's what discipleship is. When we're one-on-one, -on -one, we're teaching them the things that we have learned from Christ so that they can follow Christ as well. And so recognizing that is our commission is to go make disciples. So being teachable and, and, and teaching as we go. Um, you know, in the book of Colossians, we, we see that the, the first two chapters are dealing um, with right thinking. 
you know, thinking and our knowledge and about our knowledge and understanding. And the last two chapters are, are dealing with how do we apply that? How do we put that into practice? How do we live it out? And, and I think that's, that's huge. And those two go together. I want to read Colossians chapter three, uh, just two verses, um, uh, verse 16 and 17. And uh, this is what God's word says. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I I ask that even now as we look at your word that you would just illuminate your word by your Holy Spirit in each one of our hearts. Father, we thank you for our church family. We thank you for the, the, the opportunity to come together and to worship you. And I pray, Father, that, that even now you would just show us where we truly are uh, with you and where you desire us to be. Father, may you be glorified through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Paul is urging us to be stable and balanced in our Christianity. And uh, I mean, do you, do you see how important this is that we be balanced and stable in our walk with Christ? I mean, the image that many people have today of a Christian is that we are people who like to shout we may be um, <laughs> sweaty, we may be uh, judgmental, we may be narrow-minded, we may talk in some kind of strange or phony tone of voice, and they view a born-again Christian as someone who is obnoxious, intolerant, and against everything that might be fun. But folks, this is due to a lack of balance. They have a a warped view of who we are as believers and what the church needs and what non-believers need are balanced believers who are stable and authentic and live their lives every day with the spirit of Jesus Christ. See, we, we like to separate that. We categorize things. And it's easy for us to to just put it in a category that this is who we are on Sunday. But it's really not who you are as you sit here today. It's who you are out there that they're watching. They're not watching you in here. We're watching you. But they're watching you out there. And that's why it's important that we be balanced, that we understand this. And here's how we can teach one another. And, you know, when we think about this, we, we teach with the heart. And I, I really believe this is what he is talking about in verse 16 when he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. See, the word takes up residence. It dwells in my heart. It dwells in your heart. 
the word of God takes up residence in your heart. And the word also takes effect in my life. In other words, because it is within, it transforms and makes a difference in how I live my life each and every day. And Paul tells us that we're to let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And I love this because he encourages the believers there at Colossae. We can't read this too fast. That first word says, let, let. That means you have to allow. The problem is, is we don't allow, okay? He says, let the word, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. We have to allow the message of God's word to to dominate. I wanna say to saturate and to motivate our living. And, and, And the word dwell means to feel at home to feel at home. And I love that because Paul urges us to have such a relationship with God's word that it feels at home with us and we feel at home with it. I think that's important because sometimes the only scripture we get may be on Sunday morning. We've not spent time in the word. We've not, we've not been dwelling in the word and allowing the word to dwell in us. You see, the word of God, the Bible, should be at the heart of our existence as a believer in Jesus Christ. See, we should find our comfort and our strength in it. We should draw our direction from it. I mean, it's kind of like a sponge, our our life is, and you know, whatever you fill a sponge with is, is what it's saturated with. And so if you take a sponge, a dry sponge, and you, and, you, and you put it in some water, it's going to soak up as much water as it could possibly hold. But what happens is when you squeeze it, what is inside comes out. And it's that way in our life too. If we are filled with the word of God, if we are allowing the word of Christ to richly dwell in us, then when we get squeezed, what do you think is going to come out? The word of God. But the reason the word of God doesn't come out is because we've not been saturated with the word of God. Now, I think this is, this is, this is big time stuff here because being saturated in the Bible does several things for us. It helps us to know the truth. It helps us to know the truth. John 8, 31 and 32 says this. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay? The truth will make you free. And I I love that. You know, it helps us to know the truth when we are saturated. It enables us also to recognize error. And brothers and sisters, there is a lot of error in our world today. There's a lot of lies being told out there. There's a lot of untruth out there. There's a lot of things that are false. And if you want to be able to spot those errors, what you need to do is fill your life, your heart with the word of God. It also provides answers to difficult questions. So how do we become this Bible saturated type follower, you know, I I say this, first, we must know the message. 
We must know the message. In other words, we have to read the Bible. (laughs) You know, a disciple of Jesus Christ is a person who knows God's word. Let me say that again. I might get an amen this time. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a person who knows God's word. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's it's so important for us. And, And so how do we... How do we account for our pitiful lack of Bible knowledge? We don't know God's word. We don't study it like we should. Matter of fact, we probably haven't opened it since last weekend. Now, maybe we have, but here's, here's what I'm saying. How much time, how much time do you spend thoughtfully reading the word of God? Well, you know, my my phone just told me a little while ago that my phone screen time was down 27% from last week. Hallelujah. I need less screen time. I need more of this time, you know. And, and, and the thing is, though, is, is when we do that, if, if we are thoughtfully reading God's word, if we are spending time doing that, his word will richly dwell within us. But it's not enough just to read his word. We must understand the message carefully. You know, hearing and understanding are <laughs> two different things. I mean, how many, how many guys have, have heard their wife say something like this? You're not listening to me. Something like that, yeah, yeah. It's not that we're not hearing it's just that we're not getting it, okay? We're not, we're not understanding it. And, and in order to survive in marriage or in any relationship, you have to engage in active listening. You have to ask clarifying questions. You need to, to make sure that you're hearing it correctly. And this is what we also must do in our relationship with God's word. Ask questions, clarify Make sure we're hearing it correctly. We must interact with it so that we can be sure of what and that we understand what it is saying. And I would say also that we have to apply the message practically. (laughs) The Bible doesn't teach us about forgiveness so that we can have a discussion about forgiveness. The Bible teaches us about forgiveness so that we will forgive others. We have to practically apply it. And I think, I think that's so important because, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't sing songs about peace, you know, and, and, and those kind of things. Just it's so that we can rely on those in the storm. It's so that we can understand what God's word is, is telling us so that we can have real calm in the midst of storms. And the Bible dwells in us richly, or I want to say abundantly, when it's impacting our lives, when we're putting it into practice. And in order for us to apply the biblical message, there's several things we could be doing. Number one is to interact with the text. When you read God's word, if, I mean, if you look at my, my scripture, it's completely underlined. There's stuff written in the margin. There's questions, there's comments, there's all kinds of stuff because I want to understand what it is saying. And I, I hope that you will interact with the text. I also hope that you will meditate on the text. When you read the story of the Good Samaritan, 
Put yourself, think about the perspective of the younger brother, the prodigal son. Think about the older brother. Think about the father. Put yourself in those situations and think through that. So meditate on the text, but also memorize the text. You can memorize the text. And I mean, Jesus responded to the enemy with scripture. We have this at our fingertips. We have this where we can know it. And each of these will help you let the word dwell in your heart richly. So teach from the heart one another, but also teach with the head. What does it say there in verse 16? It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. But it says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. You can only teach what is personally learned. The things that you know is what you can teach. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is a personal savior. I'm glad that he's my personal savior, that he knows my name. And you know, over in Philippians, um, just a couple pages back in my Bible, uh, in Philippians 3.10, Paul writes this. He says, that I may know him, (laughs) that I may know him. We can only share what we know personally. We can, only, we can only pass that on to others. We can only teach what is personally learned. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. You can only teach what is personally learned. I would say this also, you can only teach what is possible to know. Sometimes we try to put more emphasis on what the Bible is not clear about rather than what it is very clear about. We can know what God's word says and we have to teach with our head. You know, people learn in different ways. People learn uh, at different levels. And the second characteristic of this passage is that the well-balanced believer is one that is involved in shared or mutual ministry, okay? He says there very clearly, get back to my page here, Um, He says very clearly, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So we teach someone when we help them understand something that they did not know before. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that before. Okay, well, we have a responsibility to help each other grow in knowledge and understanding. But we also must be willing to be admonished. The word admonished means to rebuke, to reprove, to caution, to warn, to reprimand. Oh, we don't like being called on the carpet. We don't like being reprimanded. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, let the word of God, you know, richly dwell in you and with all wisdom and teaching, reprimanding one another rebuking one another. When there's inconsistency in your life, then someone needs to say something and be able to speak truth into your life and to be able to reprimand or rebuke or caution or warn or admonish. And the problem is, is we're not willing to be admonished. We're not willing to be reprimanded by someone else. Another believer, we'd say, well, what is it to you how I live my life? And we get very offended if someone else tries to teach us something about God's word. 
See, I, 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 we have to remind each other of the truth that we have forgotten in the living part of our lives. See, we're to teach and to be taught. We're to reprimand and be willing to be reprimanded. That means you're teachable. See, if we're not teachable, then, then we're wasting our time. Because we need to be teachable in the things of God. We need to be able to, to reprimand one another and be willing to do that. To teach with all wisdom, with all understanding. See, God has a, has a wonderful way of doing things. But this is contrary to our world. This is contrary to what we see in our world. We live in a world that urges us to be fiercely independent. To, to pull your own strings and, 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 and we're warned not to become dependent on anyone. Just, just do your own thing and don't let, don't become dependent on anyone. And as a result of this worldly wisdom, we become isolated from one another. But folks, this is not what God wants for his people. He doesn't want us to be isolated from one another and, and from him. God calls us to be involved with each other. He's designed the church so that we could be interdependent, that, that we rely on one another, that, we're, that we go together. In fact, he uses the analogy of a human body. We think of our, our, our body, you know, and, and <laughs> if this hand right here was not teachable, I'd be in trouble. And I'd ask the question, what good is it? If, if this hand is not teachable, if this part of the body is not teachable, the body has different parts, it has different functions. But they all work together to be effective. And I, I think this is, this is great because Paul tells us that God has given us various gifts. Each one of us has a different gift. You know, and I, I just love it when everyone is using their gift for building up the body of Christ. So are you trying to function today as an isolated Christian? Maybe you feel like you can worship just as effectively at home as you can in a, in, a, in, a, in a church somewhere. You may be able to worship well in isolation, but you will not be able to grow as well because you've got one perspective and you have no one calling you out. You have no one reprimanding you admonishing you. So in order to grow, we need to be connected. You know, John 15, five, Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so following Jesus, following Jesus is a matter of, of giving and receiving, giving and receiving. If you're by yourself, you're not giving to anyone but yourself. If you're by yourself, you're not receiving from anyone but yourself. See, at times we need others to minister to us and, and other times we need to do the ministering to others. And I, I, I think that's the, the beautiful relationship that Christ wants with his body. That's the way it is in the church. It's not meant to be a solo operation. God has called us to all be involved in ministry. 
I mean, for some of us, it might be helping in, in we kids or Sunday school or, or kids worship or maybe assisting Jeff with, with, with youth events, student ministry. Some of us may work behind the scenes, you know, doing copying, doing mailing, um, uh, cleaning, repairing. Uh, some of us may serve on, you know, by giving financial uh, support. Others may serve on our safety team or, or help in managing the, the resources of our church. But there are literally hundreds of ways that people can be involved at Memorial. And when everyone is doing what they can do, we become what God wants us to be. So we teach with the heart, we teach with the head, and then we also teach with the spirit of celebration. I mean, one of the ways we teach and admonish one another is through the Psalms, is through songs and spiritual songs, you know, hymns, songs, all these things. In other words, we're to be a joyful singing body. We should be celebrating the grace that we've received from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, someone said that a successful Christian life involves attention to three different books. God's book, the Bible, the pocket book, your checking account, and then the hymn book. And I think this is, this is big stuff too because there's, there's wisdom in these words. There's nothing that expresses and touches the depth of our emotions like music. I mean, you could be watching television or you could be watching a movie and, and a song is played and it, it may bring tears to your eyes at that, at that moment in time. You're, you're, you're watching this and it may make you smile, it may make you cry. You know, a well-placed song can drive home a point better than a whole bunch of words. Does that mean you're going to cut your message short, Ridge? It only makes sense to say that Christians should be using music to teach worship and to encourage others in the faith. I mean, worship should be a joyful time and some of the greatest memories of my life are tied to music. I remember growing up and... and uh, getting very sleepy as my parents and grandparents were singing hymns. And I remember stretching out a, a quilt, one of my grandmother's quilt on the floor and actually falling to sleep, listening to them singing a song like Just a Little Talk with Jesus. I grew up with that. I remember that. Think about the lyrics of some of the great hymns of the faith. Are you not stirred when you sing it is well, it is well with my soul. Can you really think about the words from how great thou art and not be moved? And when I think that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. 
I mean, music touches our soul and some of us, you know, we could sing, pass it on and it would take us back to a a campfire somewhere or or maybe others could sing, we are one in the spirit and remember a fellowship with a group of believers at a very formative time. But music is part of who we are. In truth, we probably learn more of our theology from our music than we do from our preaching. And our music should be and is anchored in the word of God. Remember the context. These songs come from the the word of Christ dwelling richly in our hearts. And the point here is very simple. When we receive God's grace, we want to express our joy. You know, if you have a good voice, you should sing well. If you have a fair voice, then you should sing fair. And if you have a croaky voice, well, you should croak out praises to the Lord. And the point is not whether you are in tune or not. It's not that you should give, the point is that you should give expression to the joy that is in your heart. I mean, worship the Lord for the greatness of his grace. Lastly, I would say this, I would say, teach with humility. Verse 17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See, grace, grace comes to and from humble hearts. I mean, that's what James uh, 4, 6 says. James 4, 6 tells us this. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace comes to and from humble hearts. And folks, grace helps us with life. We need lots of grace. You need grace. I need grace. Each of us needs lots of grace. And Paul brings this thought to the, a fitting peak in these final words here of whatever you do in word or deed. Seems like a perfect conclusion, doesn't it? The follower of Jesus Christ, who is a well-balanced person and, and disciple, should be revealing Christ consistently in their life. Revealing Christ. Kent Hughes, he writes this, he says, there are few exhortations in scripture that are more comprehensive than this one. Word or deed. It takes in everything of life. Deeds can be preaching. Deeds can be teaching, eating, exercising, driving, cleaning house, shopping, visiting, working, playing, maybe basketball, soccer, tennis, fishing, even watching all of these things would be deeds. Basically everything. And our words are everything that passes through our lips. Even in the unguarded moments. See, if you are richly dwelling in the word of Christ, you shouldn't have to guard your words. Because what comes in comes out. And I think this is, this is so important. Listen, our world is watching us as believers. 
They're interested to see if we truly believe what we say about Jesus Christ. Well, how could they tell? How could they tell if you believe what you say about Jesus Christ? Because they're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching to see that faithfulness, that consistency, that, that, that God-honoring consistency in our life, that whatever we do in word or deed, we do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. This, this God-honoring consistency is not perfection. That would be an impossible standard for us to reach in this life. However, even when we make a mistake, even when we fail, we should handle those situations in a Christ-like manner. We should be willing to take the responsibility for our actions. No excuses, no blaming others, but be willing to make things right with one another. To take that first step and say, will you forgive me? I, I messed up. To be a believer in Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of his. See, Paul wants us to allow our walk with Christ to affect every area of our life. The way we conduct our business, those business practices, the way we, the things we entertain ourselves with, the hobbies that we're involved with, the way we spend our money. He wants us to, to, to show Christ in all of this, the way we serve in the church, the way we respond to those who have needs around us, the way we react to those who offend us. So here's the big question. What are you holding back from the Lord? What is keeping you from living that consistent Christian lifestyle? Maybe you want God to stay out of your relationships. Maybe you're holding him at arm's length when it comes to your recreational activities. Where do you give? Where do you allow the Lord Jesus to influence your life. You know, over the years, I've learned a valuable thing or two about doing laundry. You may not believe it, but I have. You know, when you put clothes in the washing machine, it's important that you spread things out evenly in the basket. And if you don't, the washer is gonna make a terrible racket. And if it does, it means that the load is unbalanced and you need to recognize and reorganize the clothes in the basket. So is your life in balance or out of balance? Are you banging around, making a lot of noise? Or are things running smoothly in your life? Finally, I would say this. Do you need to integrate your faith into your everyday living. I mean, look for ways. Look for ways to be more God-honoring at the restaurant that you go to this afternoon or wherever you're going. How are you gonna be more God-honoring there? Maybe at your home. Maybe out in the field. Maybe in the checkout line at HEB. You know, just, just being more God-honoring in that. And I want to say this. We always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. I want to say, be ruthless with yourself. 
Confront the excuses. Expose the duplicity. Push for balance. The world will never believe what we say about Jesus until we believe what we say about Jesus. God's word tells us that God loves a contrite heart, a repentant heart. He tells us that, you know, that God loves a a person's mind that is teachable. And he also loves a humble spirit, a repentant heart, teachable and humble. Folks, these are the things that we need to teach one another, that we need to model for each other. And when we don't see it, we ought to call it out. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And this morning, I I just want us, we're going to sing a little bit more. And I just want us to focus on singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about him. And one thing is for sure, as the word, as his word lives in your life and it pours out into the ministry of others. You're going to find great joy in singing with gratefulness to God for who he is and for what he's done in your life and in mine. And all of that, that redeeming grace comes from his son, Jesus Christ, who hung on the cross, who died, who who bled out for you and for me so that our sins could be forgiven. So that when we fall flat on our face, when, we, when we, we make mistakes, when we knowingly do things, that forgiveness is there. It's like, it's like we come back and we say, Lord Jesus, I need your grace. I need your grace in my life because I can't do this on my own. Continually feed on his word. Lovingly minister the word. And joyfully sing the word. Because of the great things that he has done for us. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that we would be willing to be teachable. Father, I pray that you would find willing hearts this morning. Father, we fall short. So much of the time. But God, your grace is sufficient to restore us, to pick us up, to help us continue on in the path that you've put us on. Father, I'm so thankful for the Lord Jesus and what he has done. Father, there's times where all I can do is burst out into song because of your great grace toward me. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just continue to quicken our hearts. Father, as we see the day approaching, we know that we know that one day before too long, we will stand before you. And Father, it is going to be our joy to celebrate Jesus for all eternity. Father, we are his bride, and he gave his life to redeem us. So Father, I pray that you would help us to be teachable, to teach others, to teach one another, to encourage each other as we see this day approaching. Father, may you, may you receive all the glory and the honor 
for the things that we say and do each and every day. Father, we love you. Guide us through a time of response and help us to live as you call us to live. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.